bootstrapped in the trenches making moves going all out every day handle business you know that the hustle don't stop got my team let's get it reviewing books and talk stocks steady keep it moving so you gonna want to tune in get low down it's an app get local food on demand delivery right to your home everything in the palm of your hand took hard work and dedication come through join the conversation this is history up in the making we just want to be an inspiration hey let's go Welcome to another episode of Bootstrapped in the Trenches. Today, we've got a special guest, Robert Cialis, co-founder of ObservePoint. Rob has a demonstrated history of founding and leading companies to high performance, most recently co-founding ObservePoint in 2007, and he served as CEO from inception until 2009. Under his leadership, the employee talent grew from just a few to more than a hundred at both Observe Point's headquarters and in multiple international offices. Rob also played a key role in creating partnerships with over 40 strategic global partners and growing a segment leading customer base of more than 350 world-class enterprise brands such as Delta, NBC, Turner, Home Depot, and more. And he's worked with a lot of great people, a lot of great companies. He's a thought leader, a life enthusiast, successful entrepreneur. He has more than 15 years of experience leading innovation in the digital marketing space. He also has previously co-founded and built iLead Media, which was acquired by Think Partnership in 2006. A visionary leader with a growth mindset, Rob's passion is all about helping individuals, teams, and organizations figure out where they are, where they want to go, and then helping them get there. So we're really excited to have Rob on. We're actually expanding into Orem, Utah uh, with our company in a few weeks. So that's awesome. Pumped here and we'll get Robert on the horn right here. Rob, how's it going, man? Great, Mike. How are you? Pretty good. I appreciate you joining us. You bet. It's great to be here. Thank you. So Rob, take us through what's a day in the life been like for you during the pandemic? Well, I think I had a little bit better than most. And I think most people in Utah did as well, actually. Uh, you know, Utah has a, a great entrepreneurial spirit. And I think just generally people are kind of, um, you know, resilient and they just kind of believe that they've got to take care of themselves. And so, I, you know, you, Utah compared to a lot of other states didn't have nearly the the troubling experiences that other states had. So relatively speaking, it was great. Plus it was a warm spring Ooh. for a lot of us here. So it was nice to be able to get outside. Once the ski resorts closed, everybody wanted a warm spring and, and we got that. So Rob, what would you say your favorite part of Utah is? Cause it's probably the most gorgeous state. And I'm not just saying that because you're on there. I've said this to previous guests. My brothers and I love visiting Utah for our business. It's so sun sunny, it's bright. I love it out there. Yeah, it is. Um, Utah's an incredible state. I, I'd recommend to anybody, if you want an gr- amazing three or four day trip, land in Salt Lake City in the spring or the fall in particular, and then drive through the mountains on your way south. And then you're going to encounter Bryce, Zions, and Grand Canyon, and then um, leave out of Vegas. And th- those three or four days are just completely different. You go from you know 10,000 foot mountains and beautiful pine forests and mountain lakes to the red rock of central Utah and to the brilliance of Grand Canyon and Lake Powell. It's truly a spectacular state. Well, did you grow up there? No, I didn't. 
I grew up in another pretty place. I grew up in Lake Tahoe, California. Wow. Man, so Rob, I came from pretty it. place to pretty place. Yeah, I've, I've been uh, pretty, pretty good in choosing where I want to live my life. That's amazing. And it seems like you've been pretty good as an entrepreneur too, Rob. Your journey is really impressive. And as a kid, were you in that mindset, like as a self-starter? Did you feel like you had that from a young age? I did actually. I, you know, my dad was a, a physician, but he had definitely an entrepreneurial spirit and it certainly rubbed off on me. I started my first project in college with a, a friend of mine and it was really the beginnings of an early ad platform. Um, had I known ad platforms were going to be incredibly big and successful as they are, I, I wouldn't have, you know, got out of it. Um, but the internet was always something super interesting to me. And as an entrepreneur, I don't think there's a better place in the last 30 years to start a business. And it just came natural to me. Um, it was something I always really, really liked. And I've been lucky to work with some great people, two um, fellow co-founders at iLead Media and one at ObservePoint, all of them tremendous individuals. And, you know, it's it's great to start something. It's I think it's even better to start something with people that you can trust and work alongside and be successful with. And I've been lucky to do that. And Rob, can you take us through what kind of fire you have internally to be able to build a company, sell it, and then have the ambition to have that same inner drive? Because I've talked to friends about that, having that just willpower to keep going, even when you've seen success. Well, there's there's lots of different things going on there. One is, you know, it's I like the new idea and I like building things. It, it feels really, really good to win. That's my favorite part of a company. Um, everybody, I think, has their favorite parts of when you're growing scale. For me, it's just the wins. It's the feeling of coming in every day and winning new customers and retaining them and coming up with better ideas and better marketing plans and and better sales plans and partners and all those pieces just come natural to me. And I really, really enjoy those. So I think enjoying, you know, what you're doing is, is important. I, uh, that was a big part. The other part of it, as you saw my bio, I have five kids and they were young at the time. So it was not an option to uh, just sit around and do nothing and not only provide that as an example, but, you know, to fulfill the dreams that I had and to do some of the things I wanted to accomplish of, in my life, uh, one required me really to go out and start something else. And, you know, observe points been, you know, just that great second opportunity. And Rob, that's impressive being a family man like that. I, I have a hard time taking care of myself as an entrepreneur. Can you <laughs> give me some tips? And even for our viewers, how do you go about work-life balance and seeing success in business and having five kids and having, being able to spend time with them as well? Well, I think it's a struggle. Uh, I know a few people who say it comes natural to them and, and uh, kudos to them, but it, it's a struggle, I think, because especially when you're an entrepreneur, there's always something else you can do. You know, a lot of roles and, and jobs that you have, you can kind of shut it off when you're home, but you can't when you're an entrepreneur and you certainly can't when you have any type of executive position, it's, it's never ending. And so learning how to balance that, I think comes through trial and error. And I also think it comes from, you know, once in a while being able to step back and say, okay, what's what's really important here? One of the things that's been really helpful in my life in the last few years is coming up with a three to five year plan of what I want in my life and what some of my goals are. And those shift over time. And that helps you, I think, find the balance. When you're younger, your goals might be more heavily towards getting your career and getting accelerated. 
when you, you know, start to mature a little bit, or perhaps you have children or, um, you know, a spouse or partner that starts taking some time or just other goals that you want, having a three to five year plan allows you to really balance that well. And, uh, you know, I've, I've done that. And I've even, and would encourage all of your viewers to, to either use like a coach to help you sometimes with that, or go find a place for two or three days where you can just, you know, lock yourself away from all distractions and really have time to reflect on what's important. What That's you want. a great point, Rob, because I think it's so tough for entrepreneurs. And I'm, I can attest to that too, where you get so caught up in the day to day, you lose sight, even when you're a visionary of your own plan with life where it's like, Oh, everyone evolves. And that that's really cool to think about. Yeah. And it goes fast. I think anybody who will tell you who's either, you know, raised children or, you know, had a few years under their belt, they'll all say the same thing. They'll all say it goes so much faster than you think. So, you know, if you don't have a plan of what you're trying to accomplish, you're unlikely to accomplish it. And then you'll reflect back and say, Oh, I really wish I would have spent some time, you know, doing certain activities and certain things. And you can't, and especially once you have children, you can't get those moments back. You can't get the moments back when they're little and you take them to an amusement park for the first time, or they catch their first fish or any of those type of experiences. You only get those once. And so having that, uh, having that plan, I think allows you to really focus in on what's more beneficial and, and how you find balance. And I will say technology companies in particular, but even now I think with COVID, we're seeing all companies start to step back and understand that work-life balance is really critical to the health of their employees and the overall productivity that they have. And I think everybody's become a lot more flexible in these days in helping people, you know, see opportunities to have work-life balances from, you know, open-ended, um, you know, time off to sabbaticals. I, I think there's just more flexibility in the industry, especially around technology. And I actually hope that really um, you know, drips down into, you know, broader opportunities, you know, for people who work at maybe non-technology companies, but everybody starts thinking differently about the the fact that employees aren't just really employees, they're members of the team. And if you treat them more like members of the team, you get more out of them, you're happier, they're happier, shareholders are happier. And I, I'd like to see more of that. I think that's been one advantage in this pandemic, Rob. It's made everybody step back and reflect a lot on just even the culture that was created around technology and social media. Right. It, it was getting cutthroat. And I think it was affecting many people with mental health. And we're seeing that come to fruition now. And it's good that it's being brought up and employees are having a voice that I don't think really existed a few years back. I think that's true. And technology has been there for a while. I mean, we've had Skype for years and Google Hangout and FaceTime, but the, but the pandemic has really caused everybody to just embrace that. And I, over the years, I've heard a lot of companies say, well, we're going to be a truly digital company and we're going to really allow for lots of flexibility, but old habits die hard, as well as um, just those kind of mindsets of how do we make this happen? And the pandemic's changed that. I think you know, we might have accelerated this five, 10, even 15 years ahead of schedule in just this last year. And and I think it's going to be better for for everybody. Uh, yeah, I completely agree, Rob. And can you take us through the, you were talking about your three to five year plan. You had quite the journey at Observe Point. At what point, did you reach a point with your company where you were like, oh, I know I'm going to be putting this in someone else's hands by this point? Like, how do you come to the realization when it's time for a new chapter? 
You know, I, I don't know if there's any time or moment for me where there was just this clear light bulb. Um, in fact, I think, you know, when you're, when you're kind of a, a hands-on operator, like I am, you know, you're, you're in the trenches a lot. And so sometimes I think it's even harder to, to see and feel those moments. Um, you know, what at Observe Point, my fellow co-founder, John and I, you know, we knew from day one that, you know, we were going to, to each play a role in the development of Observe Point. And so I think that was part of it. And even the moment didn't crystallize for me until actually I had a, a, a child who's, he was a high level competitive swimmer and I was still kind of struggling with the idea and I wasn't really comfortable with it. And he said, well, dad, it sounds like a relay race. And I said, what do you mean? And he goes, well, you were the first one to swim the first leg of the relay. You put in an incredible time, you built a great lead and now it's time for somebody else to go and swim the next leg. And I thought, yeah, that's exactly what this is. And I think companies have that as well. You know, I've heard, I've heard people say, well, it's like passing the baton, but I think it's different than that because as companies scale and grow, often it's a different skill set and a different, sometimes even mindset, a little bit more like swimming where you have literally different strokes um, compared to just, you know, four people running, you know, around a track. And, and I think that really fits ObservePoint where it is, you know, ObservePoint exists in a very dynamic market. It, changes very rapidly. And because of that, you know, sometimes you need a generational change in the product in the way that the product needs to be viewed and constructed. And that was, you know, part of the decision making process um, for ObservePoint and how the company and, you know, John and I were thinking about it. And I think that's important too. You know, you shouldn't go into business with somebody who you don't feel like at any moment could do an amazing job running the company as well, because Otherwise, you know, you're not going to maximize the potential of the company and the partnership. And you only have so much time to create a, a company, to have a partner, to grow it, to scale it. So you better get the best possible talent. And I think that starts with who you choose as a partner. And Rob, that's great right there. That's a great point because I even have gone through in the past in the early business years, me and my brother, nightmare partner situations. I think when you're young, you're so eager to just get going. And that yeah. kind of parlays into my next question for you, for our viewers. You know, we have a lot of people always asking, oh, I want to start a business so badly. What do you recommend? What piece of advice would you give somebody, Rob, that's just eager to do something and they well, want to be an entrepreneur? Yes. You know, it, you hear this again and again. You, there's always great responses. I would start with, um, you want to start a business tomorrow, we'll get started today. And and it's just simply that that simple. And sometimes it's, as much as you just get online and you start reading about the, the business. If, if you're creating a product, you try to understand how you're gonna create this product. And you can do one thing a day. You can create a list, for example, of the 20 things that you think you need to do for the business. And you can just start checking one thing off, one after the other. I think entrepreneurs also have a natural affinity and, and the best ones have a natural gift to do things in parallel where I think a lot of big companies and people who have just been experienced inside the big companies say they're much more linear. Well, we have to do this first and then we can go to this and then we can do that next step. And they can't, they can't work on three or four things at the same time, the same way a lot of entrepreneurs can. And that's, I don't know if that's necessarily personality. Sometimes that's probably there, but it's also just cultural and experience. So as an entrepreneur, you have to do five things at once. 
you have to be comfortable with only getting something to 80% complete before you move on to something else. You simply can't think linear because there's just not enough time and you'll lose the opportunity. So get started and start, you know, right after, um, you know, do, don't do one thing right after another, do things in parallel and just go for it. I love your point on the 80% completion too, Rob, because I think lately so many people are worried about the Mona Lisa. Like I tell my team, guys, we're not waiting for perfection here. Just keep going. You know, some things are not going to work. And I always think there's all this perfection around social media filters on Instagram. People are like waiting for that moment or to just do something too well. And then time passes and they just don't execute. I think that's totally right. And I would say there's another component, I think, that really comes around to that as well. And and this is just this, this unwillingness to just accept that you're going to make a mistake in this process. You know, we've built up certain companies um, and, and these narratives around these companies that they've never made mistakes. You know, Apple is this incredible company with this incredible brand and product suite. But we forget that you know, it was not that long ago that Apple was on really the brink and Steve Jobs came back and had to reorganize some things. And so even companies that have been historically successful have problems. And it's the same thing with on, being an entrepreneur. And when you start something, you're going to make mistakes. And I think there's this uh, this narrative that all successful companies are just always smooth sailing. And even the companies themselves will spin that narrative is as part of like telling its own story and its own history and not talk about sometimes the rough times and ask anybody who's ever built and scaled a company, whether they were the founder or whether or not um, they worked at the, at the front desk or they were on the janitorial, they'll understand the real ups and downs and the bumps in the roads that happen when you build a company and you got to get comfortable with that and just be okay with it. Like, well, I kind of screwed up there. I, I'm going to try not to make that mistake again. It's not a reason to stop. It's just, it's a reason to get up and keep moving. I love that, Rob. Yeah, I could attest to that myself. I, I can't tell you how many mistakes I've made over the years, but it's part of the game. If you're not making mistakes, you're not trying. Yeah, that's right. I think that's totally right. Man. So Rob, let me ask you, we're in the food business. What is your, what are you? Are you a cook? Do you ever order in? What's your jam with that? Well, I'd like to call myself a cook, but nobody who eats my cooking would testify to that. So <laughs> I do, a, I do a, a few things well enough to get by. Um, you know, I actually have uh, a couple in the family that really, one who really enjoys baking and one who really enjoys cooking. And so we kind of mess around a little bit as a family. Um, you know, I think one of the most amazing things about food, and I was interested in speaking with you is, there's there's nothing I think that really brings people together. You know, of course it brings families together around the, the dinner table, but it also brings friends together and colleagues together. Anybody who's just had this amazing business dinner and worked through some of the problems perhaps in a customer vendor relationship has understood the power and the value of sitting down around the table. And and you know, food is a is a huge part of that. I, I'm completely with you, Rob. There's nothing I thoroughly enjoy more than like a meal with people close to me. It's always been, I'm a simple pleasure kind of guy, but I love great food and great company. Like I think right. we're here for connection and that's where food's universal. It's a symbol everybody can agree on. We need it for survival. Mm -hmm. And you, you know, there's nothing like sitting around with even catching up with old friends over a great meal or 
you know, even people in business. It's it's really cool. It it is one thing that I've been lucky enough to do in my career is travel quite a bit, and you see a different pace around eating, especially in European cultures. And I think that's something that uh, America could go back to, if you will, or or learn from, is to slow down a little bit. We sometimes like to just eat, you know, be done in fifteen or twenty minutes, and then we're on to the next thing. And I think that, that if you want that power of connection that you that you talk about, that's takes just time to be willing to sit down and put aside, you know, in our, in cases, in a, you know, like around our table, the phone, the phone goes down in the middle of the table and the first person picks it up, either pays for dinner or, you know, has to do the dishes. And so something like that, that, that kind of forces when you're a little bit younger and, um, but spending time is, is a big part of it. And, and I think maybe the pandemics also actually helped in that respect as well, where people, are sitting around the table and slowing down a little bit more because it hasn't been the fast pace a lot. They always don't have something to get to where you have somebody who, you know, go, leaves work and then goes to soccer practice, and then come home and eats and then has to go pick up somebody from dance, for example. Those things I think ha haven't been such an influence in people's life. And I hope that's for the positive. I, I completely agree, Rob. Yeah, we'll hopefully see that come to fruition when the dust even settles on this. And Rob, do you have any favorite local spots in Utah, restaurant-wise? Yes, there's a there's a couple taco places here that are awfully good. There's a, a chain of barbecue places as well uh, called R&R &R Barbecue that's, that's awfully good. I think that my favorite place uh, is right up the, the mouth of the most, one of the most beautiful canyons, I think, in the Rockies called Provo Canyon, and that's to Sundance. So Sundance is the resort owned by Robert Redford. And he's got two restaurants up there and a great bar as well. And he's he's really kept the the whole resort focused on a on a slowed down atmosphere. You know, there's there's fires going and there's a creek running through it in the middle of the resort. It's not the hustle and bustle of of a park city or an aspen. And it's just quiet. The food's fantastic. And if if there's one last meal where I'm gonna go out, it would be with my family at Sundance. Wow, Rob, you're getting me so excited because we're expanding our business soon to your neck of the woods. And now I'm, I can't wait to try this place. Absolutely. Yes. Well, I'm, I'm happy to treat. Let's go. Oh, thank you, Rob. Done. I'm pumped to meet you, man. You seem like a great dude. And uh, I, I can't wait to actually, when this pandemic's over, we'll actually be spending a bunch of time in Utah. So That's I'm great. very excited. Yeah, you're going to love it. And there's such a great entrepreneurial community in Utah that it just it just goes well. You know, Utah's got as many technology companies as multiple states that have gone public recently. And I think that's, a, again, that's a testament to the entrepreneurship and now the new tech base here in Utah. It must be that sun and the mountains. There's something <laughs> about it. And I'm in Colorado and Utah still, it's on another level of how bright it is. I've never seen anything like it. Yeah, it's 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 pretty spectacular. That's for sure. Well, Rob, really appreciate the time. Excited to cross paths when I get out to your neck of the woods and uh, stay healthy and keep crushing. Yeah, Mike, enjoyed it very much. Look forward to meeting you and, and sharing a meal with you. Thanks Good so luck much, to you Rob. and all of your listeners. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks. That was Rob Cialis, and he he's great. Phenomenal guy, very successful entrepreneur and family man. I hope one day to be in Rob's boat with that. I have to admit for our viewers and those of you that know me well, I'm not great with balance. I, I, I make time for family and friends, of course, but 
I need to get more in that chapter at some point. I'm not there yet, but I really look up to Rob being able to have a great family life, has built up successful businesses, worked with phenomenal companies, and he's a great guy. And uh, I'm excited we're bringing Lodell into Orem and Provo soon. We just launched Ogden and we've been in Logan now for a little over a year and a half. It's really exciting. I love Utah. Um, maybe I'll get a place there one day because it's really, I've found a very hard time leaving the few times I've been in Logan for our business. And I'm really excited when the dust settles on this pandemic to be able to explore more into the state. So I hope everybody enjoyed. Subscribe to us on YouTube, the Bootstrapped in the Trenches, and we will see you next week. Have a great night, everybody. Bootstrapped in the trenches, making moves going all out. Every day handle business. You know that the hustle don't stop. Got my team, let's get it. Reviewing books and talk stocks. Steady keep it moving. So you gon' wanna tune in. Get Lodell, it's an app. Get local food on demand. Delivery right to your home. Everything in the palm of your hand. Took hard work and dedication. Come through, join the conversation. This is history up in the making. We just wanna be an inspiration. Hey, let's go.